an A&E original podcast. I am ready for brunch. Like, I need champagne on the roof. I need to be outside with the weather nice, feeling nice, feeling good. Wait, but Amir, are you like a mimosa person or a Bellini person? Like, what's your vibe? What's your energy? Rum punch. Okay, well, that's neither, girl. We was talking about <laughs> champagne, okay? I was talking about champagne poppy do, over here. I, you know what? <laughs> After our last year, I think we deserve all of the above on a roof. You went straight to, we going to Jamaica, girl. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Hey y'all, welcome to The Table is Ours, the podcast where we chat with our Black faves about everything Black identity. That's Black excellence, Black pain, and Black success. We call this podcast The Table is Ours because we were tired of fighting for a seat at the table, so we made our own. And with me today is my lovely co-host, Kirby Dixon. And we are recording today's episode on International Women's Day. Okay, ladies, now let's get information. (laughs) And that is my favorite co-host, Kirby Dixon. Kirby is the kind of woman who always has a clear path, and she always has your back. And y'all know who that is. That is my girl, Amira Lawali. Amira is the type of woman who, when I say let's, she says go. Always down to nuck if you buck, no matter the situation. That's my theme. And you know we have to ask the same question every week. How are you? How are you really? Girl, I'm good. You know why? Because the sun is shining. It is about to be 61 degrees this week. (gasps) I can literally feel my hot girl shit powers growing. They are growing. The Infinity Stones are all back together. I'm an Avenger. It's about to be a hot girl spring. (laughs) Yes. But the sad thing is brunch is going to look a little different this spring because, girl, all of my friends are pregnant. Not all of them, but a few of them. A lot of them quarantined. Clearly, they had a great time in the winter time because the babies are <laughs> popping out, honey. And it's wild. Yeah, I have five quarantine babies baking right now. And it's great. I'm so excited. Um, it's a little expensive. I'm not going to lie. Absolutely. And also, it's like, I can't believe they're ready to take care of a whole human when I can't even remember to take my laundry out of the dryer. <laughs> <laughs> I think something just switches. Like, people just literally, women turn into mommy mode. I'm watching it with my own eyes between the high chairs, the books, the diapers. One day we were talking about mimosas, now we're talking about formula. Like, (laughs) to each their own. I know, but, like, I think I missed something. Because I, am I the only one that's, like, genuinely terrified? Like, not just of, like, being a mother, but of, like, the whole childbirth process in the U.S. in general, like, I'm scared. Did I miss a memo where it was like, cool, and everyone's like, let's do it right now? I don't think so, girl. You know, you and I have talked about this, and I think the act of pregnancy is beautiful, but to me, it's freaking, like you said, it's terrifying. Like, the idea of being pregnant and your body transforming and doctors not giving a true crap about you, which you and I have also discussed, it's it's nerve-wracking. But you know who actually made me feel a lot better about motherhood? Like, tamed my fears just a bit, just a little bit. Danielle Brooks. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I think it was the fact that she brought a little black joy back into motherhood for me. Absolutely. Danielle is a TV star. She is a movie star. She is a theater star. Homegirl went to Juilliard. Juilliard. Yes, she did. Juilliard. Yes, she did. (laughs) 
So we talked to Danielle about black motherhood and specifically black pregnancy. And we talked about how now as a new mom, having a daughter has completely changed her perception of what diversity should look like in Hollywood. So we're so excited for y'all to hear this episode. It is a good one. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hello. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. We are so excited to have you. Like, I don't think you yes. understand. Like, we love you. We're such big fans. Thank you. But we like to start every episode with the same question because the world is crazy right now. So we just want to check in. How are you? How are you really? Oh, that's a nice question. question. (laughs) I'm good. I am in the beautiful Vancouver looking out. I have a great view. My daughter's healthy. My family's doing well. I have a job. Thank you, Lawrence. I have health, health and strength in the time Mm -hmm. of COVID. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm good. Life is good. I really don't have nothing to complain about. I could, you know, all of us could. Yeah. (laughs) So good to hear. Yes. It is such a weighted question nowadays. How are y'all doing? Good. You know, like every day. How y'all doing? (laughs) Every day, chugging along. It's different. I think we're all in a crazy time. But at this moment, in this second, in this hour, I'm good. And I'm blessed and I'm healthy. So my family's healthy. So I'm good. Yeah, taking it a day at a time, an hour at a time, a minute at a time. Earlier this morning, I was not so good, but now I am great. (laughs) That life be like that, don't it? Seriously, especially now during the pandemic, it's often as needed. But you had mentioned your daughter, and we want to say congratulations on being a new mom. (laughs) Your pregnancy (laughs) and motherhood journey was so beautiful to watch. So thank you for letting us in on social media and beyond. We definitely, I say fangirl a lot, but we fangirled. (laughs) Your journey was so beautiful to (laughs) see. We do. (laughs) Thank you, ladies. So I want to ask you, what has been kind of your greatest joy so far as a mother? Having the privilege to watch her grow has been really cool because I didn't think I was going to because when she was born was right before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was supposed to jump into a show and I, I just was like, I'm not going to get to watch this girl grow up and say, you know, her first words or walk first, you know. Yeah. And I've been given a lot of that through, you know, unfortunate circumstances, but I've been able to do that. And that's really been a joy to just kind of normalize life again, because I think we get so wrapped up in so much unnecessary things so it's been good to put life into perspective on what's important so that just the little things of getting to see her and you know just be with her it's been really good 
That's amazing. I think kids have such a beautiful way of finding the good in pretty much everything and making the best of Mm -hmm. really poor situations. Because they don't know what's going on. They have no idea. (laughs) It's a good little reminder. Like, I feel like it snaps me out of, like, the bubble of what I'm stressing for when kids are just chilling. Mm -hmm. Like, they're just like, I'm happy. I'm grooving. It's okay. (laughs) So after your kind of, I guess, maternity leave, you came back swinging. Like, we were at Annie, so of course we, like, knew about this product early. But we know that you're starring in the Mahalia Jackson story, Mm -hmm. which we love. Thank you. But I kind of, I wanted to talk to you about, like, being a working mom because I feel like sometimes working moms get so much shade from going back to work. Did you ever feel that pressure or did you just like love working and you were ready to go back? I really love working. And it's true. It is finding a balance. It's crazy because, again, coming up in this COVID time where we were forced to be home, I think I would have felt more guilt if I did go straight into working right away, which I was supposed to do. I actually was supposed to do the show in Atlanta. And actually went to Atlanta, did one day, and they canceled and was took me mm-hmm. back, you know, mm-hmm. immediately. And, and and that held some guilt there. But I, I, I think it's good, it's healthy, because you show your child that you can balance more than you think you can. Like, we are kind of destined as women to be super heroes, super Absolutely. sheroes. And, you know, like, we're kind of destined to be these goddesses because we can handle the load. And um, the one thing I do know is how important it is to have a village, you know, having people that can support you through this time. That's really what's been getting me through is not uh, knowing that I'm not alone, Mm -hmm. you know, and I still would encourage women who feel that they are because sometimes we unfortunately are put in situations where we have to do it on our own. But that's why faith plays such an important part in my life. Because if I really don't have someone physically to lean on, then I know I can lean on God and and he'll help me through. So Mm -hmm. that's what I would say. So the three of us are no stranger to this idea of Black women being expected and able to handle it all, right? We're expected to be superheroes. We're expected to have it all together all of the time. But what we don't talk about much are the challenges that new moms have to face as they're going back into the workforce. So what were some of the challenges that you had to overcome in being a new mom and getting back into the entertainment industry? Yeah, I mean, it was just hard all around. Yeah. Because I had to get a nanny, find, make finding the right person, paying for the nanny. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah. becomes a thing. Just... Uh, getting on the same page with your partner about how you want to raise your child, who's going to take the child the most. Is it okay for them to travel with co- with the COVID going on or even without it going on? Are you cool with that? Yeah. It was a lot of decision making that you don't think about when you first choose to have a child. You also, for me, I, I again, went to the village. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not only, I, I leaned on women who had been pregnant and have semi-normal, I watch my kid every day, yep. <laughs> you know, job, kind of job, stay-at-home moms, and talk to people that were in the industry whose paths were aligned with mine and, and similar, like, just having a kid and figuring out how to navigate motherhood at the same time. So, yeah, I, I just collected information 
yeah. and took what I needed and I left the rest. And they were hard nights, you know, mm-hmm. but you got to push through it and tomorrow will be another day. <laughs> right. Um, but when I, one thing I learned was like to take your magic minute or magic hour, I like to call them. A magic minute is just a minute to yourself an hour to yourself where you just breathe, do whatever the heck you want to do. <laughs> it's your time. <laughs> because <laughs> when I tell you a little one will take up all of your time, it's very true. And all your energy too. And, you know, you're trying to work and balance home and home life and work life and everything else life. So <laughs> finding the magic minute is really good. Danielle, you talk a lot about how important it was for you to find your tribe and your community of people who were there for you throughout your entire pregnancy experience. But I also think it's really important that once we do find that tribe, that we talk about the realities of what pregnancy and motherhood actually looks like. And I can only speak for myself and possibly Amira too on this, but I think that's the stuff that we really need to know and that I'm most interested in learning about as we're thinking about our futures and getting to the age where we're starting to think about motherhood ourselves. Because I'll be honest, the more that Black women have opened up about their pregnancy, the less scared I am. And we'll get into it later, but like I am personally terrified. Oh, yep. <laughs> you girl. Like the more that you guys are like, it's hard. Yeah. I'm like, okay, like it's not just me. No. And the thing is, there's so many women that have crossed the waters. That's how I look at it. I mean, I always, the thing that got me through when I was pregnant, when I was terrified as you are and hopefully won't be, <laughs> but I kept thinking about like going to big concerts or going to basketball games and how huge those stadiums are and every one of them had to come out of a woman wow and every one of them has their that's own that's a way experience. to look at it that's the one I was like yeah. every last one everybody everybody came out of somebody so that just kind of helped me say okay I'm gonna be all right and it's true like if you're gonna have those fears but I, I tell you one thing my child is the reason I have hope for this country because I think about the responsibility that me and her father have to raise her. Mm -hmm. And I know the type of human I plan on bringing into this world. And I just have to have faith that there are other people that will do the same. So just keeping that communication open. And and as you're doing yourself with your podcast, uh, continuously talking about it. That's the thing that excited me about doing A Little Bit Pregnant for Netflix was... I hadn't seen many women of color talk about what it is to be pregnant. And I still think we could have went even further in the conversation, but at least it allowed us to get the conversation started. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I feel like it is a need to talk about it. And I'm very open to sharing whatever story, you know, I have to hopefully make it easier for someone else. Yeah, I think the thing I loved about you opening up not only in that in on the Netflix doc, but also in social media is that you made pregnancy look fun. Right. Like you were having a time in your life. It was just like you were carrying an extra person. But you're like, my life is not going to slow down. It was a joy. And it was like beautiful to watch. You got to enjoy it. I'm thinking of this one clip when Danielle is on the stairs dancing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's about to give birth to this baby right here. (laughs) I gave birth to her that night. That's why I was like, come on, y'all. We got to make this video. Come on. Come on. And there are moments, but but you got to just breathe through it. And, and that was my thing. It's just like my faith is a big 
helper because I was on that table and they told me that her heart had flatlined, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, flatline? What the heck that don't? When I somebody say flatline me, that means right. I know. Wow. And I told the doctor, I said, can we use another word? Yeah. Like her heart rate is chilling. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And she agreed. And I just was like, because I'm also big on what you put out. If you keep saying something, it's going to happen. Absolutely. So stop saying this negative thing, flatlining. And I just started singing Precious Lord, praying on the table with 10 people looking at me like, Deer in headlights don't know what to do. And I just called on God, you know, and we was all right. He's all right. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's beautiful. That's a totally different conversation about, like, the terminologies that are used to describe pregnancy, too. Between you're saying flatline, geriatric pregnancies. I'm thinking of all these types of terminologies. I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? Yeah. Like, break yeah, it down yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, I was like, "You want me to?" Because I don't remember all them times. You call it geriatric? What is that supposed to mean? I know, right? We touched on it in a little bit about like how I'm scared, but we're both at that age where we're kind of like thinking of those next steps and like thinking about pregnancies and like going on that journey soon. And I'm gonna yeah. be very, very honest with you. Talk to me. Um, I'm. Scared not only from, like, the journey, but because I feel like recently we're finally getting stats about, like, how Black women are treated by doctors during their pregnancy. Like, it's three to four times more likely to have, like, complications in pregnancy. And Kirby and I are in New York, so it's 12 times more likely. Mm-hmm. And I am I feel lucky that I know the stats because I think knowledge is power and I can go into this knowing. But, like, did any of those stats scare you and freak you out and, like, make you think about, like, oh, I need to be careful going to this next step? I didn't allow it to. The only thing that bothered me was, I, I was aware of them. Yes, of course. But mm-hmm. the the thing that kept bothering me was my doctor kept saying preeclampsia, mm-hmm. you, which is a stat, you as a black woman have, because you're plus size, you know, you're 30, you have high chance of preeclampsia, but I don't have no symptoms though. Yeah. So what's the problem? But she kept saying it over and over until I realized there might be another angle here. And I talked to her. God, we both was in there crying because we got to talking. And I was like, I just I feel I need you to get on the same page with me. And I think that's why it's important for women, all women, to just know your options. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't. My fiance is so hell bent on options, and he's right. You don't have to settle with anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I did go with this doctor. I love this doctor. I think she was still great. But I did realize that she had an agenda. And her agenda was for me to give birth the day that she wanted me to. And if I had preeclampsia, then maybe that would persuade me to have a C-section, a scheduled C-section, which I didn't mm-hmm. want to have. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, it was tough to continuously hear that chatter over and over again. Yeah, But I, I think it's safe to say that some of them stats is BS because even when you talk about weight, it's like, I'm very healthy if you knew what I put in my body every day and how I work out every day, right. it might not be where I want to be yet, but I'm very healthy. And I was healthy enough to have that child and she was fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do this. You know, it's kind of like, it's just getting rid of that 
outside noise, being aware of it so that you know what's happening, you know, what the possibilities could be. But at the end of the day, like manifest what you want, man. And if it doesn't go the way you want it to, then be able to adjust in a calm, you know, level-headed, peaceful mindset. I think that's what it's about. Because I wanted to have a straight up we going, we pushing, we doing this naturally. <laughs> and that did not happen, but I had to, t- to adjust. And, it's, and the end goal is to have a healthy child and I'd be healthy and come out fine too. And that's what we did, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And y'all that, will too. Both of you will if you choose so much. To. Yeah. That makes me feel a little better because we're at the point we're thinking about it, but like, I'll be honest, my mom, I'm Southern. My mom has been thinking about it for like the last five years. Like I am late. <laughs> Where are you from? I'm from Houston, Texas. Oh, nice. How are yeah. your people doing? <laughs> what? Oh, God, I know. Texas. Texas. Okay. Texas is embarrassing. Like, I love Texas. I talk about it every week. We're very blessed that we are the only people we know in the entire state. That's Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, Austin that had power and water. Everyone else we saw like lost their roofs, wow. lost their pipes, like still don't have water. So we are very blessed right now. Wow. It's just it's so Good. sad to see mm-hmm. that happen. Wow. I'm sorry. Eek. We got lucky. Yeah. We'll, we'll get through this. Texas is tough. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about all of the potential BS that is on the internet surrounding pregnancy and the idea of childbirth. And quite frankly, sometimes it's coming even directly from our doctors. And it's really easy to get caught up in all of that. So how did you mentally put that aside to get the most out of your pregnancy journey? Uh, two things. One, spirituality. Uh, yeah. God, I'm calling on you. I'm sorry. This thing, mother birthing, motherhood, is definitely directly connected to God. So I just had to link with him, yep. her, mm-hmm. she, whoever you, I had to link, okay? <laughs> the spirit. And secondly, I got me a doula. I got a beautiful black doula, a beautiful black doula, Stephanie Blair. And she has her own company and she's like based in New Jersey, New York area. And um, she also works in that that field. Mm -hmm. And so she knew everything. She was the one keeping everybody calm when (laughs) we ended up giving birth. Like the nurses and the doctors was all freaked out. And she was the one saying, everything's going to be fine. Yep. Yeah. So I needed that, you know, and and my fiance was like, oh, you know, we don't need no doula and I'm like yeah we do we do I do yeah I do and that's the thing is advocating for yourself you know advocating for what you really think you need if you feel like you want a home birth do that but also again I think it's that thing is what I'm, I'm riffing here but I think is that thing that I was just talking about briefly about what is it that you're really praying for Mm-hmm. is what's important. What are you really praying for? And that was what I felt in my pregnancy. It was like, okay, I was adamant about having a natural birth, but that's not what I'm really praying for. I need a healthy child mm-hmm. and yes. mommy want to be healthy. And I just, how can you apply that to your whole life? I had to do that even with the career. It's like, you have all these goals of receiving awards and, and working with every top director. and But is that really what you want at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. And I know that what I want is to leave a toolbox for the next group of women that relate to me to have an easier time to do what the heck they want to do in this industry. And so it's just kind of getting clarity on what it is you really 
wanting and praying for. Yes, to being specific in your prayers. Everyone wants that Sierra prayer. And I'm like, Sierra was very specific in what she was trying to get and asked for. Okay, so the same applies here. (laughs) Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. I do want to shift gears just a little bit. So like now that you're a mom, now that you're a black mom, even a black daughter, we've had these conversations about representation for so many years. Has your intensity in pursuing that changed since you've had your baby? Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. It definitely <laughs> is. You know, I was watching music videos the other day and it triggered me. Tell me more. It triggered Yeah, which ones me. were you watching? <laughs> what was it? <laughs> Just gonna tell on them. I was watching Chris Brown and Drake. Oh, video, and I do not see many women of dark complexion. Sure didn't. Where are we? And uh, and it made me go back, and I was shocked because I was like, I'm good. You know, we got all this representation. I'm one of the representation that whoop whoop. Yeah. And I watched that video, and I was like, Oh my gosh! I know. Like. No one really looks like me. Like, what is this? And this is the world that my daughter is still going to grow up in. Like, this is what I was, I'm fighting for that she doesn't have to experience. And I think there's two parts to it. One is stop watching trash. And no offense to Chris Brown and Drake. I love their music. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. the video, what what is it doing? Yeah. (laughs) Um, yep. Agreed. Uh, I, what, what are we <laughs> That's doing? my song um, too. <laughs> but the music I will bop to. You yep. know. It, but I guess what I'm saying is being aware of what I'm digesting, what I choose to digest. Yeah, is one thing, and then the other is going out and 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 doing it. You know, going out there and putting out what I want her to see. And that's one of the reasons I wrote Black Woman was to have her be able to listen to that or not just her but it was kind of an ode to my 15 year old self of the, those times I didn't feel wanted or in, enough or important and me celebrating it reflecting on those moments and also celebrating the person I am now so yeah it's just uh it's crazy out here <laughs> yeah I was kind of in a tip this morning because we woke up to the news of like the British media talking about Meghan Markle and calling her, what was the word? It wasn't bossy. It was a bully. Bully. Mm-hmm. And 
that just, I think even like in the workplace, like I am always hesitant to completely speak my mind because I'm the only like black woman on my team. So I'm always like, if I move a different way, if I get called a bully, like that's going to stick with you forever. And right? we just talk about that. Yes. We talk about that. Forever. Yes. It's terrifying. And I think it was just like, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still in the phase of figuring out like what is my best way to be completely open or not. Like, I'll be honest. I'm figuring it out too. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes me feel a little better. <laughs> I'm figuring it out too. I'm doing this project right now. And I asked for my hair and makeup team. I'm the only black girl. Oh my God. Please on speak show, on this. Right. Yep. And I asked for my own hair and makeup team and I was able to get, and this is a big studio. I was able to get my hair stylist but I wasn't able to get my makeup artist. Now, here's what's problematic about this. They give me someone that they want me to approve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have two options. I have one to go through the process and hopefully she works out, go through the process, and maybe this doesn't work out. If it does not work out, I have another two options to complain about it because I asked you for what I wanted, but now I'm coming off difficult. Yep. Yeah. Because I'm now saying I'm not happy, which gives you a problem. So now I'm problematic. Yeah. Which I asked you in the beginning for me not to be problematic. Give me what I want. Right. Yep. And then the other option is to settle. And if I settle, what happens is I end up teaching the makeup artist how to do my makeup mm-hmm. and or doing it myself for seven months. Or looking crazy on screen. Yes. Or looking, but I ain't going to do that part. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's tough. It's I am balancing that and trying to figure that out too, Amir Ankar, because I I don't have an answer yet. Yeah. And what I ended up doing, I had, I had to say, okay, what battles am I willing to fight? Is this a battle worth fighting? And I won one, which was my hair. And this other one, I can work through. And the lady, we figured it out. We made it work. We on point now, but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to teach her how to do my makeup, you know? You should not. I can't believe we're still having this conversation though. Like it's, I I, I, I don't want to say I can't believe it. I can believe it, but it's still just as frustrating now as it was 10 years ago to understand that someone like you, this esteemed actress, is still fighting for, a, like, representation behind the scenes to make you, like, to me, it's a no-brainer. I am a, I'm a Black woman, and my hair requires different skill sets than my yep. white counterparts. <laughs> my, my makeup is going to have to be probably a blend of a few shades of foundations, <laughs> unless Rihanna Goddess has already created it. And they need to get it together. <laughs> yeah. Get it together. We Amir and I talk about this all the time, even like from a corporate perspective. It's like the amount of work and the research that we do behind the scenes just to relate to some of the content that we're putting out or we're promoting. It's like, why can't our counterparts do the exact Never. same thing? Never. It's like, oh, I don't know how to do yeah. that. So let's pass this on to so-and-so because you already yeah, innately have no. an experience that you relate to. But that's not right ever. hundred percent. hundred percent. And I work in TV. So I get put on all of the black shows and that's great. I love it. But I get put on tons and tons of white centered shows and in my head, I'm like, we have all these white shows I know nothing about. So, like, one part of me is like, okay, I don't want them to miss anything with a black show with a black cast. Like, I don't want them to 
put something wrong that they just don't know. The other half is like, you do the homework too. Like, cast the right... That part. Yeah, don't put it on me. Like, cast someone who knows how to do hair. Do the homework. Someone should know how to do the hair. And or humble yourself to learn. Exactly. Uh, hmm Exactly. Ain't nobody gonna beat you up if you go to YouTube and look up some stuff. <laughs> and, ain't, and ain't nobody gotta know. Or take a class. And sometimes we go. still have to go to YouTube and look stuff up ourselves. So... <laughs> yeah. Google is free. Danielle, do you think we're making progress in that realm, though? You're talking about even in 2021, right? I know exactly the video you're talking about with Drake and Chris Brown, and they, they're still like... And I like the video. I but know. Anyway. And I like the song. I like I the love song. The song. <laughs> but people in, in the public eye still have a responsibility to be really intentional with the representation of the things they're showing on screen. Do you feel like we're making progress in that realm, even though sometimes people miss the mark? It's such a tough question because like, I talked to like the other African-American women that are out here in Vancouver right now shooting different projects and they are struggling, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I know that I have reached a point in my career where I can have a say, you know, and I have a team that really supports me and can help me get the things that I need. And that's not the case for everybody. So I think there is something to be said about until everybody is able to be served in the way they need to, we do have a, we got a ways to go because just because Suzanne and Patrice don't have, you know, they're not series regulars or whatever that might be, doesn't mean that they aren't worthy and should, it's not that they're not worthy or deserving of the things that they need. Right. Um, So I think we definitely have a ways to go And it's always tough, too, for me to talk about it because I feel like I'm the way that I'm crafting my career is definitely in a really cool, like, jet ski type of way. Like, (laughs) I say that because I'm like, the way, like, because it's not a box, you know what I mean? It's like we cruising out here, like we doing some other stuff. (laughs) And and that's what I'm trying to do. Like, I'm, I'm stepping into Orange was the start of of that in a way of showing people like you might you might think you know who someone is but then you realize oh they're they're totally different than the stereotype that you've created in your head and and even with this show I'm doing now peacemaker mm-hmm. um for HBO finally getting to do action and you know a lot of improv and just getting to show people a different skill set and some other projects you know it's been really cool to try to break out of that, being much ado about nothing, you know, playing the lead in a Shakespearean piece. You know, it's just I'm really trying to break that for whomever comes behind or is even beside me, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> to make it a little easier. Yeah, we love sure. Tasty, by the way. That's my girl. Oh, that is my fan. That's my girl. <laughs> You don't know what Tasty got me through. I I just don't you uh, said that. I distinctly remember where I was when I started watching Orange New Black. Same. I was in freaking Waco, Texas, heartbroken, and I was like, I'm just gonna get into Orange New Black, <laughs> oh and I got through that whole summer. So. Yes, Orange got a lot Yay. of people through. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but you're now that you're you're a mother to a black daughter too. Has that shifted your perspective in the types of roles that you're willing to take on? Like, what are you looking for? or in a script when you get something new on your desk? Definitely. I am very intentional about the work I do, and I'm grateful to be at that point. Like you said, everyone is not given that opportunity. 
I think even before Freya, I was intentional. So Mm -hmm. I think it just has intensified, but it hasn't changed at all. Right. Because, you know, for some people being a mother, it might change because you might need to take whatever job to pay for your baby, you know, needs and things like that. So, but for me, I'm grateful that I'm able to really be specific about those things. And when I look at a script, it has to capture me and... When I say that, it has to be moving the needle some type of way. Mm-hmm. It has to move the needle either culturally, like through the world of finding a way to change something that needs to be shifted with our world, or it needs to be something that women like me have never gotten a chance to do. Right. So those are the two things that I look for. And so, yeah, there's been some cool stuff that I'm looking forward to doing in the future, you know, that are coming up. So yeah, those are the two marks for me. Yeah. It's got to be moving the needle. Yeah. That's great because you're portraying one of the most iconic gospel singers of all time. All time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the Mahalia Jackson story on Lifetime, why do you think Mahalia's story is so important and needs to be told? You know, because it needs to be told for her. Mm -hmm. I think It ain't got nothing to do with pleasing no audience. Mm -hmm. And that's the first time I felt that way. I think a lot of times as the actor, you're always like, what's the purpose? Why do people need to watch? Why should the audience tune in? This one is for Mahalia Jackson. This one's for the ancestors. This one is for Hilda Moore, my godmother who's passed on, my other godmother, Annie Edge, who's passed on, my grandmothers, my grandparents. It's for them. This ain't got nothing to do with nobody else. (laughs) This is personal. She is so worthy. She's so worthy. Mm -hmm. She's so worthy. And what she's given us, you know, this world, America, just being the, the vocal beast that she was to move mountains where MLK and JFK and senators were calling on her to change the structure of the of politics that's trying to change the people's minds to get them on the right side of history. And not only that, but what interests me the most was finding out who this woman was who portrayed herself as such a perfect being in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. which I feel like she felt she had to do. I feel like she felt that I can't mess up. I can't have God look down on me and be displeased. And so I felt like she felt like she had a responsibility to be the woman she was, but she had a lot of issues. You know, she, at that time she was getting divorced, Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's big for a gospel, you know, a, a Christian woman, black woman of that time. And she wasn't able to have children and she loved kids and, and loved being a mother. And so she she was a business owner, had her own beauty shop and and buildings that she rented out to people. So she, she was ahead of her time. And she just if if it was no Mahalia, there would not be an Aretha. There wouldn't be no Whitney. Right. You know, or of that caliber, maybe, you know. I think they still are amazing in their own right, you know. But I just feel like she really opened the door for so many artists Mm -hmm. because of her own sacrifices and getting out of her own way. I think she was someone who felt like she wasn't enough and pushed through it. And so I I just admire her a lot for 
who she was. Wasn't she also the impetus to MLK's I Have a Dream speech? Wasn't it her? Yes, who, ma'am. Yeah, yes, who had ma'am. blurted something out or had that really literally like, tell them about your dream or something. Yeah, right? literally sparked his monologue. Tell him about the dream, Martin. Tell him about the dream. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's so cool. I think so many times we talk about MLK, which we should, but uh we don't highlight the black woman mm-hmm. that this speech Ever. was sparked from like in their relationship. And I think that's what you get from this film is like just the genuineness of their relationship and how they needed each other to survive. Like Martin needed Mahalia and Mahalia needed Martin. Right. You know? And so I just find so much beauty in getting to have told that part of, of her life and just getting to replay or getting to play out. Tell them out the dream was really fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's not many clips. If any, I think there was maybe like, I think there might have been one thing that I heard and you faintly hear it, but there's no, there's nothing t- really tangible to like see it and say, oh, I can imitate that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just using my imagination and to say, wow, this woman had to be, have some kind of power for him to actually listen and do that. Yes. And it's the most well-known speech in the history of the world. Hello. That is major. Hello. I know. That's major. You talk about her being such um, kind of like a juggernaut as someone who was able to, no matter what she was going through, get out of her own way. And I'm wondering even for you, how were you able to do that and to take on a role of someone who was a historical figure with such gravitas and an impact. Like, how were you able to get out of your your own way as you're portraying a figure like Mahalia? Girl, <laughs> it's been, it was tough in the beginning. Like, the thing about it is I had been studying Mahalia Jackson for a while because mm-hmm. it's something that I really wanted to do for a while. And I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I knew I would. Mm-hmm. And so I had been watching her and listening to videos and recordings, everything. And um, once you get there, (laughs) (laughs) it's the day before, you know, you're about to shoot your first scene. You're like, can I really do this? (laughs) Me? And it really started with the music because we went to Atlanta before shooting in Vancouver. We went to Atlanta to work on the music. You know, we did that for about a week. And I just remember being like, we ain't got it yet. Mm. This is not it yet. Yeah. And until I felt that it was right, I was not going to let him, Matt Head, our our wonderful music director, go on. Mm -hmm. I was like, nope, not happening. Right. And so once we got there, there were nerves. I even have some written in my journal. I was reading the other day, just like me. You know, God saying, like, Lord, if you can just call on, help me call on the ancestors, Jesus. Yes. (laughs) You know, because there's a lot of opinion, especially within the Black community. People going to have they say. And there's a lot of people waiting in line to play Mahalia Jackson. A thousand percent. So there was a lot of pressure that started building up. But Kenny Leon, who I just adore so much, our director, he really is phenomenal. He He's the shit. <laughs> he would say, first of all, he, we made sure that we put God first in everything, especially because this was a God-fearing woman. Yeah. 
But he would always say, Danielle, 80% you and 20% God. And when he said that, I always knew that meant get out your way. Yeah. You know what to do. I love that. Got this. And so, um, yeah, th- that's what really helped me to push through those moments where I was like, I don't know if I can do <laughs> You know? <laughs> Yeah. I need that quote. I'm gonna remind. I need to put that on my wall. But <laughs> I'm yeah. like the gene mm-hmm. and I'm terrified. Yeah, it's a good reminder. Eighty twenty, baby. Eighty twenty. Eighty twenty. I love that. Well, I I just want to say we can't wait to see it. I know that if Thank anyone's going to give her justice, it's going to be you. (laughs) You always do your thing in every role that you take on. So I'm not, if you don't have to be worried, because we're not worried. Thank you, Kirby. Thank you. We do want to kind of end this incredible interview with you with a little fun game, just to end on a high note. So we're going to ask you a series of questions. They're all, for the most part, fill in the blanks. And just the first thing that comes to mind, just let us know what you think. Okay. First question, I feel most beautiful when I... Get my hair done. <laughs> yes, that's true. A good old. Uh. I know. Listen, I'm ready for braids with some inches right now. Um, <laughs> black love to me means. Mm, black love to me means unconditional love. It's oh, beautiful. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. When I want to feel sexy, I do. I know. This is naughty, ladies. I know. <laughs> yes. Yes. Snaps to that. Some lingerie. That lingerie, some lingerie. Yes, some lingerie. Not from Tajay, though. No shade, Tajay. As a black woman, my superpower is what? I keep going. Oh my gosh, yes. Okay. We keep going. That's what it, my superpower is. Keep going. We sure do. <laughs> we sure do. The first time I saw myself in my profession was. Ooh. Natalie DeSale Reed. God rest her beautiful soul. Yeah. And Cinderella. Yes. The brandy version. The brandy yes, version. Of course. <laughs> the best version. <laughs> So good. Yes. That was it, man. <laughs> so her, her, and Countess Vaughn mm-hmm. um, were my two, my two sheroes. Mm-hmm. We end every episode with a kind of a different rendition of this question. So I love being black because I love being black because <laughs> everybody black is awesome. <laughs> we really are. <laughs> Period. Like, don't y'all remember that commercial Google was doing? <laughs> I know. On like. The most Google. Oh my gosh. Speech. The most Google top athlete. The most Google singer. It was all black. Because we are awesome. It was all black. I got chills when I first saw that spot. I don't know why. It's like, does. But I got chills watching that spot. Yes. Yeah. It just makes me feel like you would never, ever want to question. Like, we're so lucky to be born this way, to be born black. It was just a reminder of that. You were just born with a little bit extra swag, you know? Just a little splash. A little extra (laughs) swag. Thank you so, 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 so much. You You guys are so vibrant and beautiful. And your spirit is just so uh, genuine and pure. Thank you so much. And it's been really nice talking to you both. And I can't wait 
to hug y'all in person. So I please know. don't be a stranger whenever we do see each other. We will not. Just we give me a little reminder because sometimes I'll be like, what? I promise I'll remind you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. The Table is Ours is produced by us, Kirby Dixon and Amira Lawali. This episode was also produced by McKamey Lynn and Richard White and edited by Melissa Kaplan. Our researcher is Emma Fredericks. Our executive producers are Jesse Katz and Ted Butler. The Table is Ours was created by A&E. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.